And this series that we've been in, talking about judgment, that's what it really deals with. You know, when as a Christian do we get to the right place to where we can make a judgment call on somebody else? Now, I didn't say something at the beginning of this series, but I feel like it's really necessary for where we are right now. There's two types of judgments, um, judgment calls that Christians make. Now, now, there's one judgment that has to do with someone's, like, eternity. So, you know, a lot of Christians, you know, use this cliche saying, you know, you're going to hell, or, or you know, even, even believing that somebody has made it in and, and that they've got to be perfect and things like that. So one judgment call that a lot of Christians make is, is about another person's eternal, like, you know, outcome, where they're going to spend eternity. Now, it is very clear, I feel like it's very clear in Scripture that we're not supposed to make any judgment call on someone's eternity. Okay, we don't ever have the right to say, you're going to hell, because we don't know that. Okay, that's God's call. God's the one who decides that. We don't. However, anything that falls under that, basically what happens on earth with other people, um, Christians, the clear teaching from Scripture, is that Christians do have an ability, and oftentimes really need to make a judgment call. If you have a brother or sister in Christ, if you have someone that's a close friend, okay, you can't just stand by and let them do something completely destructive and not say anything. But what we established last Sunday is that we have to go about this whole judgment thing very carefully. And the reason why we have to go by it so carefully is because you and I and maybe just even our own personal stories know a, a thousand times when Christians have judged and they've gotten it wrong, and because they've gotten it wrong, consequently, people have turned away from God. Maybe some Christian came to another person, said all these things, had all these verses, and what happened is that that person didn't really change, which I guess was the, the proposed hope of it all, but actually they went even further. Um, maybe you've confronted one of your friends, and because you made a mistake or, or didn't really think it through when you talked to your friend, what ended up happening is that they didn't change for good. In fact, you kind of broke that relationship and they kept going and doing the same thing that they've been doing. And so it was very important that we look in the scripture and find out how in the world are Christians supposed to go about judgment? Because we all make judgments to some degree. We all make observations. We all um, make decisions in life based upon judgments. Um, We all made a judgment call when we decided to go to college or take a job or get into a relationship, or decide not to get into a relationship. God's given us a clear mind and ability to say, even though I don't know everything about this, I have to make a judgment call because it's very important, not just in my life, but the life of somebody else. And what we established last Sunday that was so important is that the first thing that we got to do before, as Christians, we ever decide to judge another person is that we've got to take a look in the mirror. Because it's only in the mirror, it's only in looking at our own lives do we see the reasons why we're so passionate about someone else's wrong in the first place. We said for girls that a lot of times the judgment that girls have over other girls has nothing to do about what the other girl's wearing. It's more sometimes about the jealousy in the person, the girl who judges in her own heart. That she's jealous of that girl and, and, and she wants the attention. And so she judges another girl and says, well, you shouldn't be wearing that. You shouldn't be wearing that. But it's really not about restoring okay, that girl. It's just really about bringing her down to the level of the person who is judging her. 
And for guys, we said that a lot of times guys don't hook up with other men in a friendship kind of capacity because they're jealous of, of their abilities and they're jealous of who they date. And, and what happens is, is that the underlying motivation from a lot of guys that, that, that judge other men is because it's not really because they want that other man to be restored and to be following Jesus in a good way. It's just because they're jealous. They're frustrated. You know, you've got all the popularity. You've got the girl I like. And they make judgments and they say, well, you know, it's great and all that they're popular, but did you know? Da, 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 da. And they start gossiping and they make judgment calls and, and they break a relationship. But, but see, when you look in the mirror, you begin to see your heart. Because the, the clear method and the clear purpose and passion that we should have and that we should take whenever we judge somebody else is we want them to be restored in a good relationship with Christ. Okay? The purpose and goal of a Christian judging another person in the biblical way is restoration, okay? not condemnation. And what we have is a culture that has gone about judging for the purpose of condemnation and not restoration. And there's a big difference. If you're a Christian like me and you judge for condemnation, another person's not going to want to change at all. But if you, before you say anything, about them, look inside your own heart. You can begin to make a good judgment call based upon restoration. And this morning, we're going to talk about another misconception, hopefully just... <coughs> Sorry, I'm <coughs> a little under the weather. This morning, I hope we, we just we kind of dive into this, and, and it's at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, just kind of open that up to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. <coughs> and this morning... Hopefully what we're going to do is we're going to shatter another misconception, um, which is one of the big reasons why all those outsiders say Christians are so judgmental. Um, <clears throat> let me set you up a little backstory about this. Um, we talked last Sunday about you got to look in the mirror. Before you make a judgment call on somebody else, you have to look in the mirror. Jesus said it this way. Don't you know, just try to pick out a speck in someone else's eye if you've got a big log in your own eye. And what we said is a lot of outsiders, people that aren't Christians, get upset at Christians for judging them because they feel like you're hypocrites. You, you, don't even, you don't even see it in yourself. Well, another reason that Christians um, get deemed as judgmental and uh, they turn away a lot of people is, as we're going to find out, is that they don't understand the principle that there are two groups of people in the world. One, that you do have an ability to judge and another one that you don't have an ability to judge. And Christians seem to get it switched. Um, I don't know this story. There's, there's probably like a Christian pastor or, or a Christian leader. And he's doing something really shady, but kind of everybody keeps it under wraps, like the Catholic Church. You've probably seen, not even just Catholic, but Protestant churches, where, where there's been a pastor who's done something wrong, a worship leader who's got like another girlfriend that's not really his wife, but yet he still you know, gets to do his thing, or maybe you've had like a small church community where obviously something that someone's doing is very wrong and it's very apparent to everybody, but nobody really wants to mention it because they don't want to come across as judgmental. Yet, at the same time, you see Christians walking down like the streets of like UTC or, or Chattanooga downtown and like they got all these posters or they're saying all these negative things about you're going to hell or you got to turn around. I mean, I've been to concerts where I've walked like out of a concert or maybe into a concert and just seen 
just men just like railing all the time. And I'm like, that's what judgmental means. And, and what we find here and what we're going to discover is that there are two groups of people that were, one that we're supposed to judge and one that we're not supposed to judge. Okay? The people that we're supposed to judge are the people that have signed up to follow the life that Jesus has, that, that we're trying to live. Um, we're supposed to judge other brothers and sisters for the sake of keeping them in the fold and keeping them following Christ. But when it comes to an outsider, and you'll see here in Scripture as Paul begins to talk about this, we don't really have any business judging someone that's outside the faith. And the reason why we don't is because they haven't signed up to our standard. They haven't signed up to anything. It would be the same thing as if you walked into a 7-Eleven, you picked out a Pepsi, and an Islamic radical came and was like, you can't touch the Pepsi. You know, you've got to have Coke. Like, I can't, you just broke a sacred law. You broke like 18 laws right there. Oh my gosh, you're going to hell. You'd be like, bro, calm down. Okay? Like, I'm going to get my drink. I'm not Islamic, and because I'm not Islamic and I'm not following your path, you got no business telling me to do something that I haven't even agreed to do in the first place. And that's the problem. Let's just, let's just uh, dive into this, and we'll kind of let this principle surface for itself. 1 Corinthians 5, chapter 1. It is actually reported that there is immorality among you, an immorality of such kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. Yikes. Okay, here's what happens. This book is written from Paul, okay, He writes this letter to um, a church in Corinth, and that's why they're called the Corinthians. He writes a lot of letters to them, but but he writes this letter to the Corinthians, and here's the story that's going on. Like, this guy, who's apparently in their midst, that's a part of the church community there in Corinth, he's actually, like, sleeping with his father's wife, which is gross. Like, we hope that the guy, the father, is dead. Like, we hope he's not, like, living and watching his son do all this. And it's, like, really bad. And what Paul says is, like, this is like a new category. Like, even the people that are the Gentiles think this is weird. Like, even the the average person in Corinth would look at that, even in their paganness, and say, this is kind of strange, this shouldn't work. So this is a big deal. Now, Now, remember, this person who's doing this is not outside of the church community. He's not just some random, unsaved, pagan, don't follow Jesus person um, outside on the street doing this thing. This is somebody that's literally a part of their church community there. So all these people gathering to follow Jesus, to learn about Jesus, have someone in their midst who has embraced a lifestyle of sin, verse 2. And you have become arrogant. Okay? He's talking, Paul's talking to the other church members here. Other church members, you have become arrogant and have not mourned. Instead, in order that the one who had done this deed might be removed from your midst. So, so you're, you're arrogant, what, what Paul is saying to the rest of the church members. You've become calloused and arrogant, and you think that, that you don't have to deal with this. You don't think it's a big deal that you have somebody in your community, in your church group, in your Bible study group, okay, that's doing something clearly wrong, that has embraced a lifestyle of wrong, and, and you should have done something about this. You should have gotten really sad about it, verse 3. For I, Paul, on my part... Though absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged. Wait a minute, Paul. Jesus said, do not judge. But see, here's what Paul's doing. He's not, for one thing, he's not making an implication 
on the eternal significance of what this guy's doing. He's not saying this guy's going to hell. He's going to burn. But what he is saying is, listen, this has to be done. Like, something needs to be said. It's a big deal when somebody, one of your brothers and sisters, is involved in something clearly wrong. And he, and he goes to explain why it's so important. I've already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present. For in the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan. Oh, wow. I mean, that's like, I mean, woo. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like, you know, just, just tell him you can't come back to Bible study. Like, I mean, how, how cool would it be like, you know, in the middle of Silverdale if like Tony was like, um, there's someone right here. And uh, church, we've just decided that um, instead of taking him out of leadership, we're going to deliver him over to Satan. So uh, anyway, let's uh, hold hands and let's sing the song and pray together. Um, <clears throat> just wouldn't work that way. For the, for the destruction of his flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now this doesn't make any sense, right? Paul, you want this guy to be saved, yet you're delivering him over to Satan. Um, Paul, uh, just... Satan's the bad guy. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't hand someone over to... Shouldn't we keep him and nurture him? And, and, and shouldn't we, you know, embrace him and not judge him? Uh, I, mean, I mean, Paul, like, if you deliver him over to Satan, like, he's just going to go full on in the flesh. Like, he's going to keep doing it and keep doing it. And he might just hit rock bottom. Here's what Paul knows. As do every single person here. When you go full on into sin... Eventually, you get to rock bottom. And for the majority of us, if not all of us, it takes rock bottom for us to decide to change. The problem with church communities and the problem with a lot of people that commit sin within church communities is that when the church community doesn't deal with it and still lets them hang out, still lets them be leaders still lets them sing in the choir, still lets them do all these things, they allow this person to perpetuate this lifestyle with no consequences. If you're in a relationship right now, and, and you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and that person is pushing you physically, and you're kind of letting that go on and, and not really dealing with it, or maybe you have a friend who's in this position, and they're not really dealing with that, what that has for the person who's trying to push and who's trying to go further is that it is allowing them to have their cake and eat it too. They're sinning, but the other person is not letting them feel the weight of the consequences. And if they don't feel the weight of the consequences, they don't change. See, for me, I'm just going to speak for me. It took my ex-girlfriend looking me in the face and saying, I am not getting back with you. We are not getting back in a relationship. Me driving six hours back to my house and falling on my face before God and saying, God, I got nothing left. I have to change. See, we need the gift of desperation in our own lives to change. And this is what Paul knows. Okay? If we keep him in the community, if we never address the sin, we never make a judgment call, he's going to keep doing this and keep doing it and think, no big deal, no big deal. 
But if we let him go and say, you can't come back until you decide to fix this, if we allow him to go full on in this sin, sooner or later, he's going to hit a wall. He's going to hit a consequence that's bigger than his desire. And when he does that, he will come back. See, the prodigal's return does not happen if the prodigal doesn't first what Paul's saying is, no, you, you Christians, like, when it comes to your brother or sister doing something wrong, you need to deal with it because it's not going to help them out and it's not going to help your, your group out. Okay, let's move on to verse 8. Let us therefore celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people, Okay, and this is this is right here where you know a lot of people just draw the line and say, okay, all right, let's see, let's see what he's saying here. I did not mean, I did not at all mean with immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers or the idolaters. For then you would have to go out of the world. Okay, so so for all for all of us Christians that are dealing with this, I'm a Christian, but I have friends who aren't Christians and they do bad things. Um, Paul is letting you know that, that, that nowhere in Scripture is it like, don't hang out with these people, okay? See, here's the thing. We've got this twisted, right? We're, we are okay hanging out with Christians that do wrong things, but we're not okay with hanging out with outsiders who do wrong things. Um, but this is, of course, illustrated with Jesus when um, he, like, rips the Pharisees' new ones. But then he, like, comes to Matthew the tax collector, clearly a bad person, and hangs out with him. Or prostitutes. Or Zacchaeus. I mean, he hangs out with the immoral people. Look what Paul's saying. I told you not to hang out with immoral people, but I wasn't talking about. I wasn't talking about those outside of faith. Because how how are you going to bring them in if you don't ever spend time with them? How are you going to like befriend them and build a relationship if you never hang out with somebody that's outside your faith? They're not really as detrimental to you as you think. Okay, the most detrimental people are the ones that are inside, verse 11. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he should be an immoral person or covenant or an adulterer or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not to even eat with such a one. Wow. This makes sense because Jesus is saying all these things about don't judging and we shouldn't judge others, but yet we see him all the time hanging out with all these people that have done really, really bad stuff. But see, the reason why we see Jesus doing that, yes, calling like all these religious people to the carpet, is because Jesus understands these two groups. He understands that there's one that's okay to hang out with, that's okay to you know work with and and you know be with. They're sick. These outsiders, these people that don't know Jesus, these people that don't know me, they don't know my father. They're okay to hang out with because, you know, they're, I, I can, you know, minister to them. I can do things for them. I can build relationships with them. But the people that I don't want to associate with are the people that are brothers and sisters that claim to know God, but yet they really don't, and their lifestyle doesn't show it. As Christians, we don't judge those people that are outside because they never signed up. Okay, you don't ever get you never get blind at a blind guy for being blind. Like you never like you never beside a blind guy and you, and you go like what a wonderful day and they're like I'll take your word for it and then you look over at the blind guy and you're like dude you're so blind 
oh, it's so fr- you know, fr- so like frustrating. Like, why, why can't you just see, man? You know what, dude? You're a dork. I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere else. Why guy be like, bro? I can't help it. See, here's the thing that Christians need to understand about outsiders. If you don't, if you haven't come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you're blind. That's what Scripture calls you. You're in darkness. And, you know, there's no sense of getting mad at, at people who aren't Christians for being not Christian. I don't get mad. I don't get upset when I see somebody that's an artist or an actor or someone that isn't, you know, maybe they're like they're into Scientology or like they're, they're into some wacko, like different type of religion or, or they, they don't even claim a religion or they're an atheist and they get up and they do the most vulgar things. I don't get mad at that at all because, I mean, they never, you know, we're not on the same field here. We don't have any common ground. What frustrates me is when we have people in the church that say, okay, I'm following this, but then they have a lifestyle that is totally different because in that case, we do have a common ground. Let's just move a little bit more and then we'll finish here. Verse 12. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Question mark. The answer is nothing. Do you not judge those who are within the church? Answer is yes. But those who are outside, who judges? God. God judges the people that are outside. So here's where we are this morning. Last week we talked about the first step that we've got to take is we got to say, I want to look in the mirror. I mean, what, what's inside of me that, that bothers me about what they're doing in the first place? No matter who they are, i got to, I got to take a look in the mirror. Then the next step that we make this Sunday morning is not only do I need to ask, okay, okay, I've looked in the mirror, nothing I, I really want, I have the best motives in, in place for this, check. The next step is, what type of group do these people belong to? Are they, are they one of my brothers or sisters? And, and we have this common agreement that we'd all hold each other accountable to the Lord. Or is the person that I want to talk to, is the person I want to judge, are they somebody who's outside the faith? Now, here's what I'm saying. I'm not talking about these people that, that say, you know, I don't consider people inside the faith just because, you know, they've, they've said, you know, hey, what's up? I love Jesus just like everybody else. Like, I'm talking about somebody that, that, that you would think is really serious about following Christ. Okay? Because if they're a part of that group, then you've got to do something. Now, now what do you do? Well, you, you look in the mirror first, and you make sure that your motives are correct. And then next week, we're going to go through what you actually do after that when, they, when they're in the right group. Imagine this. Imagine a world where Christians first took a look in the mirror and then second made sure that they weren't judging somebody who they had no common ground with. Oh, geez, if we'd have gotten this right, if you and I would have gotten this right, then we wouldn't be mad, would we? We wouldn't be judgmental of those people who aren't Christians, who do all these things. I mean... I mean, we wouldn't say, well, I need to talk to this person. Well, what we do is we take a step back and be like, well, I hate what they're doing. I'll do what I can to stop it. But the reality is, is that I'm not going to hurl all these things at them because we are not at the same place. 
Man, it would be completely different, wouldn't it?